Hey everybody, welcome to the Enneagram and Christianity. I'm Scott. I'm Claire. And today we're going to talk about the style for for a little bit. We're so excited about this conversation. Mm. The original person. These people show us that God's a creator, they're mm. imaginative, sensitive, dramatic. They just have this wonderful flair about them. They're creative and compassionate. People that can really enter into suffering in, in a way that goes beyond the way most of us can. So. Yeah, and you're going to see that today in our panel exemplars. Um, first up will be Karen Robinson. She's one of our uh, alumni from the certification course we teach on the Enneagram, and she'll be reading from our book, Sacred Rhythms for the Enneagram, and then these two live friends Oh, yeah. And you, you're going to really not want to miss this. You can really feel Samuel Marks and Linda Thurman. They just beautifully exemplify the energy of the four. Yeah. And then, of course, Jesus, uh, who exemplifies all nine styles. But today we're looking at Jesus in the scriptures and uh, John 11, where Jesus is going to his friend Martha, Mary, and Lazarus town. So, hope you uh, find meaning in this. A lot of drama to come. All right. <laughs> Here we go. Um, so, you might notice that my, uh, my partner uh, here is not speaking with me today. So, what you guys don't know is right after church last week, um, we took Scott into ER. He had some weird stuff going on in his body that we have not quite figured out yet. So, you can keep him in prayer um, you know, he's a nine. So if you ask him how he's doing, he's going to say fine. And so don't ask him because you're just, you're never going to know. So just ask the Holy Spirit, how's Scott doing? And let the Holy Spirit uh, guide your prayers. Um, it's been an interesting week because, of course, Don uh, put on Facebook that he had some stints put in an artery in his uh, heart that he actually had an episode on the um, the treadmill. So if you're friends with Don, you saw that he announced it only because his his mom had put out a prayer request on Facebook. So he figured he better fess up to all the people that might be worried he was you know uh, getting to heaven before you. And um, so he's doing great. They got the stints in. He actually had a cardiac incident on the treadmill. Um, I just want to say, you know, this life is interesting, isn't it? Right. And, and you just never quite know what a day is going to hold for you. And, and so you got to know who holds your days, my friends, you know, you got to know who holds your days. So Sunday, you know, we're, we're in the hospital, they're doing all kinds of crazy tests. The doc came in, told Scott, you're, uh, by the way, just psychologically prepare yourself. You're not leaving. And, um, and so, you know, we spent the night there in the morning, we woke up and we knew that we had to get the intro and the outro into Bruce for the podcast. So we were laying in the hospital bed in, in the middle of his four hour stress test, you know, like they inject you and then they have you come and get on a treadmill and then they, you know, anyway, it was, it was pretty funny. So we're recording the intro for the podcast. Well, it just turned into a great opportunity to get to talk to people about Jesus. You know, nurses, they come in there. What are you guys doing? In fact, if you listen to last week's podcast, you'll hear Scott say, hi, Tracy. That was one of the nurses as she came in and we just, just, um, we believe that God comes disguised as your life and whatever is happening in your life right now, God is in it with you. 
And if we actually say, God, how would you like me to um, be present in this moment? Sometimes it's you're sitting in the room and and um, you realize you're going to start telling people. They'll say, well, what, what is that book on your on your nightstand? You say, oh, well, the you know uh, the Gideons didn't leave it. It's my own Bible, right? Uh, you might have an opportunity to actually say, what holds you in the midst of uncertain days? So I want to ask you today, who's holding you right now? You know, who's holding you? I mean, I love that God holds us in all of our celebrations and all of our difficulties. Um, in fact, what you may not know is that uh, you have been made in the image and likeness of God. And God gives us a way to, to live in every season of life, just in that very moment that the image of God can be seen in that very moment. And the truth is, if you're becoming yourself the way God intended you to become, you're going to find out that even who you're becoming is a tool for the good news, right? Like, why in the world are um, are these people sitting here, and he's in the middle of a stress test, and he's not freaking out. He's actually recording a podcast, and he's also my water boy right now. Look at that. Isn't that beautiful? So everybody, you know, you just know that, um, that, you know, he's fine. Everybody say it with me. Fine. And, uh, and so, you know, the beauty of this is, is that we sang songs about it. There's beauty in my brokenness. I, I have joy and mourning, right? I have, what what was it? Joy working on my pain. Anybody got some joy working on your pain today? Come on, you need some joy working on your pain. Don't do that all by yourself. See, Romans 8, 28 says, God knew what he was doing from the very beginning, and he decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son, the sun stands first in the line of humanity he restored. And everybody together with me, we see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. Like you ever wonder how you're supposed to show up on a Tuesday? Just look at Jesus on a Tuesday, right? On a Wednesday, on a Thursday, look at Jesus. And so if we're going to become like Christ, it requires our attention and our intention, doesn't it? We can't just say, oh, yes, someday I'm going to become like Jesus. No, in a hospital room, you're going to become like Jesus, right? In your boss's office, you're going to become like Jesus. Uh, Brogan, when you're preaching with your capstone project, you're becoming like Jesus. You guys look at our Facebook page. Brogan just gave a great talk on failure. And it, it, you know, what's really awesome is she's a three on the Enneagram and the big deal for threes, the, you know, the real F word for them is failure. So she did a whole talk on failure and how that actually can help develop you. It's absolutely beautiful. We can have intentional practices no matter who we are and no matter what part of the God essence we exemplify. Like all of us have a part of us that is really clearly an art form. And the Enneagram that we've been working on just tells us that. So what I want to say is that Jesus said it. I have given them the glory. Can you all say glory? 
And glory is image. Remember that. We are made in the image of God, the glory of God, that light that shines through you. I have given them the glory that you gave me. How's that glory showing up right now on this day? And tomorrow and the next. I and them and you and me so that they may be brought to the complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So Brené Brown says this great line. When we deny the story, it defines us. When we own the story, we can write a brave new ending. I mean, there is another ending that you are writing right now. You know, what you're going to do with this one wild and magnificent life that you've been given, where you show forth the image of God. And, and let me just say, if you say, well, that's not me, I'm not that, don't put me in a box. I just want to say, okay, well, if you keep denying, you don't get to be a part of writing the brave new ending. You can keep saying, that's not me, I don't do that, that's not my issue. But all the people around you know, just ask them. You know, how am I showing up on my best day? How am I showing up on the day when I'm not present to the very best that God has given me? So what we want to do is we're going to go into the final of uh, these Enneagram types that we've been talking about. And that is that the twos, the threes, and the fours. So if you haven't been following, go ahead and take a look uh, on the podcast. Two, three, and four are heart types. Can you all say heart And these are the people that trust heart connection more than anything else. And we rely on our feelings and concerns for others to guide us. And when connection is broken, we work like mad to regain connection, affection, and approval. And we dismiss gut reactions as not me and distrust those who only live in their head. And today we're going to take a look at the beautiful, what is called the original person. And we all know you're all original, all right? But the fours take it to an art form. They are so original and special and creative. In fact, this little butterfly kind of says it all. I told you I was a beautiful winged creature trapped in a body of a disgusting worm. Right? So even on their worst day, they know they have this beauty inside of them. And when they're awake and aware, they begin to show us that Jesus is origin. Jesus is the original. And when we look at scripture and we're saying, we're going to find Jesus in every personality style, we love John 11. Can you guys read this little scripture with me? Ready? Then Jesus wept. Fours are some of the people that are most in touch with their pain or the pain of another. They are aware of what's happening around them. And when we look at John 11, it is so dramatic and juicy and original. We see the, we see Jesus all over this particular story. So will you stand with us for the reading of the gospel? And when we think of Jesus as the one like fours who are, they show us that God is original and, and God God in the person of Jesus Christ does things that nobody expects, and yet they bring healing. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. 
So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Remember the image of God. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. I mean, don't you think a good pastor, when they hear you're sick, like shoots right out the door and comes to your aid? No, Jesus is going to let the drama build. Jesus is going to let them sit in the reality of life and mortality and all that this world means and all what the next world might mean. He wants them to just be a little bit between there and here for a few days. Like, take it all in. Beauty in my brokenness, right? I mean, think about it is well with my soul. When peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, come on, whatever my love, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. That's a for him, my friends. It's like peace and, and sorrows rolling. I am taking it all in. And Jesus is saying, I'm not coming right. Has Jesus ever left you hanging? Come on, be honest in this room. Jesus ever left you hanging? Yeah, like, hello, Jesus. And here you are. You're praying. You're sick. You're, I mean, it's like, where's Jesus? Oh, and not only is he just hanging out for a few more days, then he starts to pontificate. And then he said to his disciples, you know, let's go back to Judea. And they said, well, Rabbi, a short while back, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back. And then Jesus starts to say something that you almost think, is this even connected? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. And it is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. Does that have anything to do with anything? Oh, I'm sure it does. But Jesus will mess with you while you're hanging, waiting for him to show up. He'll start talking to you about, like, you know, meteorology or something. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. And Jesus had been speaking of death. Why doesn't Jesus just say what he means? Right? Can Jesus just say what he means? Like, do we have to have all this poetry and symbology and all of that? Like, Jesus just say, he died, he's dead. And I'm making Martha and Mary squirm for just a little while longer. Because just so you know, the end of the story is Lazarus does raise from the dead, but he's getting them in touch with all of their interiority and all that would freak them out. Okay, so then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes, I am glad I was not there. Don't you love it? Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad. What? That, that could be a great sermon title right there. Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad. 
Because here's this deal. He knows they're going to learn something they could have learned no other way than trouble, than sorrows billowing, than difficulty, than sitting on the edge of your seat, than listening to, uh, you know, a, a daytime, nighttime sermon from Jesus while you know his friend is sick and he's sitting there eating. This is really important, my friends, because you have wondered if God was faithful many times in your life. Where are you now when darkness closes in? Right? I mean, there are times in your life where you're like, what in the world do we have going on here, Jesus? And you know what? I'm taking a long time to irritate you just like Jesus does. I am taking a slow walk through this whole thing to get you to feel your feelings and the moments when you were laying on your bed wondering about your own Lazarus, not necessarily a person, but a situation where you were like, really, Jesus, really? Can, can we just speed it up a little bit? Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let's go that we may die with him. I bet you Thomas is a four too. It's like, let's just all go. We're going to experience the depth of this. We're going to go. We're all going to die. On his arrival, Jesus found out that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So not only is he not coming for two days, but it takes two days to get there. So now four days, four days, or maybe six days. I don't know how long, but here's the reality. It's stinky. Many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And I have to tell you, I remember saying this to God when our son Paul died. Like, Jesus, where are you now? I mean, I had my own songs that I was singing. Have you had your own songs and moments like, where are you now, Jesus? And where I get in touch with the longing in my heart. And what happened for me was I didn't get the result of Lazarus rising. No, I got to have a longing built in my heart for my heavenly home. I got to have a longing in my heart to connect with the God who is present in suffering. See, God is, there's beauty in your brokenness, my friends. And, and, and if we are only looking for resurrection, Jesus, we will miss the Jesus who is present all the days of our journey home. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, look, actually, Martha, I love Martha. Martha is laying it out there like, and I don't think said, she said, Jesus, if you were here, no, I think she would, she was probably like, if you were here, because have you ever met Martha? She's the one, tell my sister, right? She's got chutzpah. She, she's telling Jesus the real deal. Have you guys ever had an honest conversation with Jesus where you said, if you'd have been here, Jesus, like seriously, if you'd have been here, this would not have happened to me or to my friend. So am I alone in this room or is anybody going to say, amen, we feel you, Claire? Where, you know, when you're singing, um, you know, 
He's never going to let, never going to let me down. You say, I'm having a hard time singing that song. And you actually can't sing that song for like five years. And you say to God, am I ever going to be able to sing that song again? Are you guys okay? Are you all right? Are you with me? I'm taking you the long way home because this is what Jesus did. This is one of the longest stories about Jesus in, in the Gospels. I mean, it's a long one. Martha says, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. That doesn't help me today. Can you all say that? That doesn't help me today. If we could all actually start writing songs that are really about our life, we might really worship. Do you know what I'm saying? So, you know, Sam massaged that one song we sang to say, you know, we're not going to say it's either morning or joy. We're going to see how it works together. Because this is real life. And one day the best thing could be happening, and one day you're going... You're never going to let, never going to let me down, please. Right? Okay. Are you with me? Come on, preach back to me. I can't be alone here. All right. Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life and the one who believes in me will live even though he die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Don't you think Jesus could have just said, come forth, Lazarus, and not done a whole sermon? No, Jesus is doing something deeper than an outcome. And if we're always looking for Jesus just to get it done, we're never going to meet the Jesus who is alongside us all the days of our life. And she said, yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Messiah and you're the Son of God who's coming to the world. Okay. Right? She's like, Jesus, seriously, I need, a, I need action, not a sermon. But no, she needed to take a little longer here, and so do I. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, and she said he's asking for you. And when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. And now Jesus had not entered yet to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. I don't know if you get this or not, but Martha usually invites Jesus into her home. She went to the gate. It's like, you're not even coming in today. You're not eating my food. You're not eating my food. Like, I've been serving you all this. Is anybody for real out here with me? Because here's Martha. Martha doesn't invite Jesus into the house. She meets him at the gate. I think that's very interesting, but that's just me. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. And now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha met him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. And when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She's at the feet again. Remember, she's the one who sits at the feet of Jesus. But you won't see that till John 12, because this is already, you know, John giving us hindsight as 2020. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Can you imagine that Jesus, this goes on for you, that Jesus gets moved in spirit and troubled with you, for you, alongside you? Jesus is not afraid of your pain. Jesus will take all the time you need. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, they replied. Jesus wept. Not Jesus shed a tear. 
Jesus wept. And then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? See, we always want Jesus to do it our way. Have you ever noticed that? Like Jesus, just do it my way and everybody will be happy. Right? Like if you'd have done it first, we wouldn't have to go through all this jazz. Jesus, once more, look, more time, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. He says, take away the stone. And he said, but Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time, there's a bad odor. For he has been there four days. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God, the image of God? So they took away the stone, and then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for their benefit. Can you say for their benefit? When Jesus is slow and preaching sermons and not doing what you want Jesus to do, there's something beneficial happening for you, I promise. This is a true story, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. You can be seated. You're going to see in Jesus approach, withdraw, hide and seek, ask questions to drop the plow deeper, allow drama to reveal hearts, invite others to feel pain and longing, and don't let people get away without feeling, touching, smelling, and experiencing it all. You guys ever see Amazing Grace when he takes all the rich people to the slave ship and they all try to plug their nose? He says, don't you plug your nose. I want you to smell that and never forget it. Jesus makes them smell death, unwrap. He wants them to touch, feel, experience the pain so that their hearts would come alive. When has God kept you in the dark, introduced you to your longing, invited you into mystery? Well, this is the gift of the four, and I'm going to invite our four friends to come on up. And first, one of our alumni, Karen Robinson, to describe the four from our book. Hi, my name is Karen Robinson, and I live in Girls Point Woods, Michigan. I'm a sensitive person with cavernous feelings and a vibrant, creative imagination. I feel complicated and different from other people. When people don't understand or connect with me, I feel melancholy or depression. I seek depth, meaning, and authenticity of expression. Beauty, love, sorrow, and longing resonate within me. Looking at a piece of art, a sunset, or listening to music can be a religious experience for me. I love aesthetics and can change my clothing or environment over and over again to reflect what it is that I feel inside. Some people see me as being overly dramatic, but I see life in the sixth dimension. I yearn for deep relationships. I persistently pursue emotional connectedness and feel distressed when people leave me. It often feels like something is missing from my life. Something different or more would make my life more fulfilling. I will keep seeking to attain it. I can be envious of the gifts and abilities of others. If only I had what they had, I would be truly unique. I'm introspective, creative, intuitive, and in touch with the hidden depths and emotions of life. And as a four, I sometimes struggle with feelings of self-doubt, 
shame, and ins- insignificance. But I'm learning I'm not my personality, but a spiritual being manifesting through my personality. Blessings. So, I, I love fours. Um, in fact, my first spiritual director was a four. And because I'm a three, I rush past feelings. You know, like I can feel other people's feelings, but my own. I needed a four to actually say, Claire, I'm going to like take a really long time to actually help you experience your feelings. She drove me crazy. And, uh, and so, you know, um, but has become one of the dearest friends of my life because she uh, won't let me fake it. She won't let me just charge through. And so what's it, what's it like to be, what's it like to be you? So everybody, Sam, let's meet Sam. Sam wrote the liturgy today. And, um, and I, I love, uh, I, I loved the liturgy. And do you want to tell us where that came from in you or what's it like on your best day to be you, Samuel? Yeah. So the liturgy, um, I didn't want to, I felt the, the impulse to like be really creative with it. Right. But actually, that's a that's actually kind of a place. Intentionally, I did not do that because um, it's a trapping for the four. Um, sometimes, what I feel like is most healthy for me is to um, to engage in kind of like uh, an, the common, you know, the ordinary. So uh, something about being rooted in something that was bigger than my self-expression. So I just prayed the prayers that the church has prayed for a very long time. Most merciful God, we confess we've sinned against you. And then uh, I had the creed underneath all of that, you know. And then I wrote, you know, I put a little section there that was a little different, but... That was your original self. N- nah, not really, actually. You know, I, um, there's a Catholic priest named Samuel Wells that really kind of does this thing where he takes the... You know, the text that we read for communion where he says that Jesus on the night he was betrayed, he broke the bread and gave thanks. And he does this really beautiful thing where he weaves that into the prayer. And so I just did the same. So it's really a spiritual practice for you to use something someone else has written rather than your own original work. Yeah, there's this because what's this driving impulse is like I want I want to do something that everybody's going to see is valuable, and it becomes more about like me expressing myself and being being significant in their lives, and that's not a bad thing necessarily. I just have found myself doing unhealthy things because of that, you know. <laughs> and so staying with the ordinary is really helping you be healthy. Yes. Would any other fours say that's a really good practice for you? Yep, I'm seeing a nod. Uh-huh. The ordinary. And um, so you ju- you're in grad school, and you were writing a paper, and you told me something yesterday that I think is kind of funny. Oh, I said that. <laughs> I said that fours are sticky, I think is what I said. Uh-huh. And that you is were, that you were trying to write something really creative. Oh, right, yes. Yeah, I turned in a paper before... And I felt like, man, this is really beautiful. You know, like I made this, this, this paper for my grad paper. I got like an 82 or something. Because he felt like that it was too, it wasn't like just, it was very like summary. He wanted this to be a summary of this person's argument and just in, interact with it. And I wanted it to have this kind of poetic nuance to it, you know. And uh, so he you know, gave me an 82 on it. And I was like, what? <laughs> so anyway, I'm learning to just, you know, to try and just stick to... You know, just some some discipline. Yeah, yeah, that's really beautiful. And um, you know, you're going to see some of our four friends um, up on the screens. And again, ranging in health. You know, healthy fours, uh, those who were not so healthy, and of course Jesus. You know, in his very beautiful fourness in this passage. 
And in fact, um, I asked you what part of the passage stood out for you and what was it? No, what's funny about that is like, I saw you post it on Facebook, John 11, but you sent, and I don't know if anybody else in, on the staff at least knows this or notices this, but Claire is like really, really, you, you make a lot of typos. <laughs> so you actually sent me to John 17. And so, so I read John 17 and, uh, and I felt like the two were really connected. Jesus prays this prayer. <laughs> Jesus prays this prayer there. And what he says, has is, anybody else ever noticed my typos? How many ones are in the room and they want to edit for me? The, the, the job is open. Okay. But I, I felt like, you know, Jesus prays this prayer and he says of the, the, of his disciples and of us really of all that would come after him. He says, I pray that, I pray that you won't leave them alone. That they'll be in me and in, and in you and we'll be together. You know, he prays this prayer of like Trinitarian union. And, uh, and when he said that, I just started crying. Because I felt like, well, what you, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, Jesus, I think that God, how do I say this? Jesus prays this prayer, don't, don't leave them alone. Because I think he prays it from a very personal pain. Don't leave them alone like you left me alone. Don't leave them hanging the way you left me hanging. And I don't think we really experience God to the depths of our, of our experience unless we get left hanging the way he left Jesus hanging. And I recognize, of course, that there's a, kind of, there's a way of talking about that that seems to separate Jesus from the Godhead, and I don't mean to do that. But I think that there's a human experience, a subjective experience, where if we say, God, you're never going to disappoint me, we're lying. That's a lie. You know? And I think we need to stop talking that way. Because the reality is, we're engaging something that is other than us. We're engaging God who is not like us. If, like, my interactions with normal human beings are disappointing, and you're very much like me. We, we experience Battle Creek, Michigan. You know, we hit, or, or sorry, Marshall, or wherever we are right now. <laughs> I live in Battle Creek. We, we experience Michigan together, right? Like, we have something in common. But what do we do with a holy God who is very, very unlike us? In how loving, and how merciful, and how gracious he is. So the idea that I'm going to engage God... And that's going to be easier. Um, or that he's not going to disappoint me. Like my expectations of him aren't going to inevitably lead me to a place where he has to go, nope, I'm not going to be that. Just like Jesus here, you know. No, I'm not going to show up when you want me to. I'm going to leave you hanging for a little while. And you say Jesus said that. Jesus said, my God, my God, say it with me. Why hast thou forsaken me? I mean, there is this reality of when we don't see the end yet, when we're in the midst of it, we do feel like we are disappointed, which is why the joy set before him, he endured the cross. There was joy there and um, in the midst of pain. And I think, you know, for you, Linda, when I think of your beautiful art, I'm, I hope I can click. Can you click for me to, to Linda's art? This is just some of Linda's art on the side screens here. Maybe I can bring it up on the... So, you know, you can hear Samuel has a gift with words. Well, this is our Linda. You know, this is, this is where are the other nine. We started this whole series with uh, the one that returned to give thanks. This is Linda. And I don't even know how I can go through these quick because... And she's crying. And this is... That. <laughs> right? And Jesus wept. And sometimes when I ask Linda a question, she'll say, I'm going to cry first. So, and this is, 
Fours are very in touch with emotion. Mm -hmm. So what's it like to be Linda? Um, One of the questions that you asked me a few days ago was, um, what what spiritual practice um, do I do as a four um, to help with that not enough? And I had to like really keep making it more simple and more simple. Um, I would sign up for every retreat. I'd like to talk about a year-long retreat that we don't leave. Um, I would like to live there. Say that again. I would like to discuss, like, you know, year-round retreat that you don't leave. (laughs) Um, But the more I broke it down was the thing that I practice most is gratitude. It will save you. I resonate well with cavernous. I don't know if there's, you know, the highest high. I don't know if there's a cavernous high, if that makes sense. To be thankful in that highest high and to see the, you don't have words to describe, that highest high. Um, And for the lowest lows, um, when you practice that and you're there, um, and you can be very honest and you're gut punched and uh, if you find yourself with um, not being able to see any hope not being able to feel his presence or feel any hope or not even see a future for that thing um, you can just be there and um, I, I had an image of course of a of you do see in images and symbols don't you yeah um, faith for me was this thin thread, um, this frayed thread. And all I could do was just look at that and just be like, God, I, I can do nothing else. I, I can just put my hand forward and touch it. I can't grab it. I can't anything. Um, you have to do everything else. And that was okay. And I just had to um, sit with that. And um, and know that that's probably when he's working the hardest, and just be, and know that every at that point I don't I don't see it, but I know that it's there. Um, that promise that that I will be okay. You know, twenty four seven, every second of the day there's there's a sunrise somewhere, like every second, and I know I will see that. I know what's out there. I don't see it right now, but I know I will. And so just be there. And um, he'll save you every time. And um, in the ordinary, so high and low, you can't stay at low. The ordinary is just, that's like the jam. It's the what? The jam. That's where it's at. Like you can be standing in a grocery store next to somebody and um, God will wreck you and just show you one glimpse of how much he loves that person. And it's all you can do to not be flat on the floor. (laughs) It'll wreck you for a week. 
And um, he just shows you one little sliver. And it's torture. It's torture for a four to not be able to. That's where you have to deal with I'm not enough. I don't have enough words. I don't have enough images. I don't have enough anything to tell you how much God loves you and how much you are enough. Just you standing right next to him like nothing else. Everything's stripped away. Before you could breathe, you were enough. And um, it's just, it's, um, it's a tortured soul sometimes. It's a what? A tortured soul because mm. you can't get that mm. out enough and it kills you and it hurts you. That Not every person feels that at least at some point if they don't. And, and so you've been given the gift of actually feeling things that many of us don't even know what you're talking about. I know. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and so even if you go back to the faces for a minute, Tammy, um, you know, when we think about some of the people that have given us the most beautiful art right here on this platform today, both in sight and sound, um, we, we just say, I don't think you could give us what you give us if you didn't feel like you feel. If you were not able to, like Jesus troubled in spirit, Jesus stops, not sheds a tear, Jesus wept. You know, there is this willingness to experience the depth of the heart of another um, that we just see Jesus in you. And we want to say we see the image of God in you. Is there anything you want to say before we... Um, before we say thank you. You guys want to say thank you? Elizabeth Kubler-Ross said it this way, the most beautiful people we have known are those who have known defeat, known suffering, known struggle, known loss, and have found their way out of the depths. These persons have an appreciation a sensitivity, and an understanding of life that fills them with compassion, gentleness, and deep loving concern. Beautiful people don't just happen. And the gift of these wonderful um, fours for us, giving us art and beauty, you know, we realize that they have this gift to say to us that they're expressionistic and they're personalistic and they're, they might be approached withdrawal like Jesus, I love you, but I'm not coming for a few days. And know that this gift of God in people as fours is to get you in touch with your heart. So it may have been really hard for you to sit with the fours and hear that. You may have wanted me to do something to fix Linda's tears, right? Um, you may have wanted to say, you know, Jesus, hurry up and get on with it in, in your own life. And know that this part of the heart of God is to get you in touch with compassion. And that word, compassion, comes from the Latin word compassio, which means to suffer with. And many of us in this culture don't know how to suffer with one another. We speed past the suffering. We don't know how to stay with suffering. We want to sing songs of resurrection, every song, on the set, right? 
And yet the people that give us a way to know that on that day when Jesus is leaving you hanging, that Jesus is with you in it. Let's stand together. Let's pray. And allow God to bring to mind to us uh, a person that we know who is this original type person, the expressionistic, imaginative, soulful, sensitive person that sometimes maybe you um, just thought they were the most gifted individual you've ever met and other days you wanted to fix and just let them come fully in your mind and let's practice gratitude and say thank you for the times that God has made us wait And we might even be in the waiting right now. We might even be in a place that, as Linda said, we just have to imagine the sun is coming up somewhere around the world. It's happening somewhere. Even if the sun hasn't risen for you in this moment, the sun is rising. And let's just lift them up before God and bless them. Bless them. Bless them. And thank God for them. Thank God for the image of God in these people. And if you are that person before, the original person, the one who it can be with the paradox of both beauty and mess and joy and mourning, darkness and light, you can find God there. Just take a breath and remember that you are enough and that you're hardwired to show us God's image in this way. May God bless you and keep you. May God make God's own face to shine upon you and give you grace. May God be with you in joy and sorrow in waiting, in longing. May God be with you in hope that the sun is indeed coming up somewhere. May you be an image bearer of the beauty and origin of God. Amen. Be blessed, everybody. Wow, that was wonderful. I've got to tell you, as a nine, of course, I feel things in my body, but from start to finish, it was just, you could really feel this conversation mm. from uh, from your going through the scripture on Lazarus and giving us the insight on the just the waiting and the the drama of it all and Jesus just kind of allowing all of us to be with the story and and be with, with the suffering. Oh yeah, it's just powerful. And then of course um from Karen and Samuel and Linda live on the platform there just you could just feel I mean it's interesting I I see just the tears are just seeming always there hmm. just ready uh when when the conversation goes to a sensitive place with most fours so it's just beautiful just really felt this 
time with these fours and really uh, enjoyed it. And I think I learned some things. So hopefully yeah. we all did. Yeah. I, one of the things that um, was striking for us was when the first piece of art went up on the screen. And if you want to see uh, the video, you can go to um, ccmonline.org and watch the video. But uh, Linda's art went up on the screen. And uh, and then Samuel uh, looked at the art and said, Linda, that's beautiful. And she just immediately cried. And, you know, totally unplanned. Uh, She didn't know her art was going up. Samuel didn't know her art was going up. And the way the two of them interacted over that piece of art was just, it, it, it couldn't have been, it, it couldn't have been more four-like, more, um, breathtaking, and it was beautiful. The other thing you might be interested in is, uh, the liturgy for communion that Samuel wrote and led. Yeah, that was, that was wonderful. And I, he gets into a little bit of the explanation of it there mm-hmm. during the conversation. And uh, I just love how he talked about, I have to intentionally stay centered and stay more practical um, and that he does that as a practice. I thought that was really, really uh, insightful and great awareness. Yeah, the and saying that I want to pray the prayers that have been prayed for thousands of years in our mm-hmm. Christian tradition rather than having to create something new really helps keep him grounded. What a gift. So Definitely. So that was the Enneagram 4. Again, if you want to see uh video features, you can go online ccmonline.org. If you'd like to know more about our certification course, you can go to Scott and Claire dot org scott and claire Lorridge dot org oh yeah the last name too yeah. and there's no d in there by the way <laughs> l-o-u-g-h-r-i-g-e and if you pronounced it correctly in ireland what would it be scott it would be lockridge and uh that's claire's four wing she just has to have a little flair to the explanation. Uh, all right. We're so glad you joined us and pray that you found meaning and uh, grace in this podcast.